Everybody and welcome to another episode of Cinefleck. I am Ethan Colburn. And I'm Clara Curtis. How are you doing today, Clara? Oh, you know, I'm just doing swell. It's a rare sunny day in Seattle. Sunny That's day sun. in Seattle and yeah. March. Well, it's March now. It's March now. Isn't that weird? Does it feel like March? No, not at all. It feels like January of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. I just need to redo on this whole like year and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so on this week's episode, we had Milo and my sweet girlfriend Paige on for mm-hmm. a conversation about Up. It was a ton of fun, wasn't it? It was so much fun. And those are arguably my two favorite people to listen to on this Aww. podcast. I think they would say the same thing about you. Um, Milo is my best 11 year old guest <laughs> best and youngest guest uh you yep. can find him on the grand budapest episode which is also very good and we did mm-hmm. a sort of a whole sean connery bond marathon as well which you can yeah. you can find up on the uh podcast feed next week i i i decided to split up pixar week because um we did our golden globes reaction show which check mm-hmm. out if you haven't but um Ratatouille is coming out next Monday. So we've got kind of a Pixar double feature uh, before and after the weekend. Clara will not be on that one, nor will she be on Jurassic Park. Uh, But fear not, she will be back. (laughs) I'm taking a break. I have school. (laughs) (laughs) Clara will be taking a brief break and then returning to us for Cats, our 50th episode. Yes, I can't wait. I'm so excited for Cats. I'm really excited. (laughs) Do you have any predictions for uh, what your first experience watching Cats is going to be like? I think this will be the movie that really solidifies whether or not I hate James Corden. Well, as always, we hate James Corden. Thank you to (laughs) my patrons, Jaden, Steven, Sydney, Griffin, Zach and Isaac. If you want to join my Patreon, uh, um, go to patreon.com slash Cineflex. We will, we're doing a monthly film club. We're doing um, Seven Seal next Monday. So if you join now, you can join that conversation and talk about Seven Seal with us. We drank grape soda for this episode. Uh, very uh, apropos given the grape soda pin. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to add, Clara? Oh, man. Um, I will just say that you should definitely listen to the Golden Globes podcast because the Golden Globes had terrible ratings. So help (laughs) us continue to steal (laughs) the attention from the actual Golden Globes by listening (laughs) to us talk about the Golden Globes. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Assuming you didn't check out the Golden Globes, it might be a nice refresher um explainer of sorts and uh you don't have to sit through a three-hour virtual ceremony so definitely check that out if you can uh without further ado let's throw you into this week's episode i hope clara page milo welcome to the podcast you guys (laughs) thanks hello hello hi (laughs) how are you doing milo uh i'm doing Swell, sublime. Sublime, sublime. I've been just coming up with words, other words for good. Um, It's really fun. It's really, really fun. I just got done with a a two hour long cry sesh. um, Yep. Yes. And uh, can't wait to talk about my experiences during that cry sesh. Yay. Yay. <laughs> yeah no we, we we all just finished up we watched it simultaneously we just finished mm-hmm. we were all i don't think i don't think Paige shed any tears but she was you were very emotional weren't you yeah. you don't cry i don't cry <laughs> watching movies oh interesting no heart page you have no heart. <laughs> it's usually clara that it's has normally no me this time. <laughs> i cry at everything i cry at absolutely everything i, I do too <laughs> 
The first movie I watched was Ratatouille, and I cried within the first 10 minutes of it. Oh. <laughs> but were you just a baby, or were you, like... No, no. I thought, okay, and I cried in the first 10 minutes, but I also cried at the part where he gets trapped in the car because I really thought that he was actually going to not be able to get there on time. And I just had an emotional breakdown in my living room. Oh, oh my man. God. Oh, oh, Milo, that's so brutal. <laughs> well, lucky Pixar for you, has we're such doing a great design strategy. They just make every kid cry. They're good at it. Pixar's, <laughs> Pixar's yeah. really, really good at that. Well, lucky for you, we're doing, we're doing Ratatouille next on the podcast. So you'll be able to. No. Cry again. <laughs> really excited for that one. So, Milo, so this was your pick. Um, Clara and Paige both really wanted to be on a podcast with you, obviously. But uh, but um, this was your pick. Why, why do you love this movie so much? And why is it still like one of your favorites? Okay, well, um, I feel like I have a personal connection to it. I just, I mean, I've, I, I'm a big Pixar fan. I feel like I've, I think I've watched every single one of their movies, maybe three times for each. Um, and this was the one that really just stuck with me. I found it so captivating and breathtaking and it just made me cry every time. Like no movie has ever made me cry every single time I rewatch the movie besides Ratatouille and Up. Um, and I don't know. There was just something so special about it to me. And I love the, uh, the, the father son bond that was like, that like grows throughout the story. And I feel like it's, it's never been, uh, replicated, uh, ever. And, uh, mm. yeah, I really, it's my favorite movie of all time. And not just on like a favorites list, it is objectively the greatest movie of all time. There's nothing can possibly get <laughs> in the way of it. I mean, <laughs> Funny how Martin Scorsese has been quiet ever since this came out. I mean, geez. Yeah. You're not Literally, wrong. nothing's happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Paige, is this the greatest movie of all time? It's up there, that's for sure. Yeah, Paige. it's one. up there. It's Paige, up there. you truly it have no heart. It was my favorite movie for like maybe six years. Wow, oh, that's wow. a long yeah. time. I, I, well, we first watched it um, at the... So our sixth grade like class had a party at the end of the school year and it was like a celebration for the end of the year. And they would like take the sixth graders to a movie and the seventh graders would go to Raging Waters, et cetera. And so like each grade had a different thing and our movie was up. And so oh, it came out that year so and it was, and that's the movie we went to. But um, I remember sitting in the theater and I watched the opening sequence and it was the first time I was like, oh my God, I'm going to cry watching a movie. And I was like, I can't cry because I am amongst a bunch of other sixth graders <laughs> and I'm going to get demolished cry. if I cry. <laughs> so I was like suppressing all these emotions. Just side point, because this is reminding me. So at the end of the year, you know, like the seventh graders and eighth graders go to theme parks and the sixth graders <laughs> go to a movie theater. And I was just like, I was so bummed. I was just like, Oh God. But then of course the movie's so great that mm -hmm. we got absorbed in it and everything. But I just, mm -hmm. just side note about how cruel it is to throw a bunch of seventh graders mm -hmm. into a water park together, yeah. like a bunch of awkward seventh graders. It was, uh, it, it was a, like every guy, including me is like just flexing their abs the entire, oh, just walking no. around. It's like, oh my God. you know, and then, <laughs> and then, yeah, just just being a, just being at a water park in middle yeah. school is an experience that I I was not expecting to recall today. No, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I would take a movie over over that any day. Any day. I mean, me too. We used to have these like movie uh these like movie nights every Christmas. We always watched Polar Express because it was the only G rated movie that was a oh. Christmas movie to ever <laughs> exist. And yep. they'd, uh, the whole entire school would watch it, and they'd like get like like pudding and like chocolate and i thought that it was the best thing ever and then i heard that people were going to disneyland in oh. like lost in california and <laughs> i was just i was shocked i was shocked and appalled but now i'm shocked I'm, and I appalled truly yeah. <laughs> really shocked uh anyone want to give a synopsis of the movie briefly um from the revolutionary minds of pixar animation studios and the acclaimed director of monsters inc 
comes a hilariously uplifting adventure where the sky is no longer the limit. Okay. So basically, it's about this old man who uh, who had some very uh, deep mm-hmm. sorrows in his past of his loved one. Um, example, the song Married Life. Um, and after his loved one passed away, named Ellie, he... Uh, I don't know how to explain how he gets in the sky, but he gets in the sky with a little boy that he meant, uh, who was a, a wilderness explorer. Um, it's a scout team 54. Yeah. Um, so they're in the sky and they're trying to get to Paradise Falls. It's, it's, his, uh, it's his lost loved one's uh, last wish, uh, per se. <laughs> And they get there, chaos ensues. Woo! Perfect. That was that great. Was, yeah. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> that was really good. That was really good. Thank you. <laughs> so this movie to me, like, I mean, it draws you in instantly, right? Like, like the mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. 15 minutes are so, so memorable. Just the backstory of how he meets Ellie and everything. And for some reason it hit harder this time just because Paige looks like Ellie to me. Do you see that? Is it just never me? Knew. And y'all did meet in preschool, so it fits. Yeah. yeah. I think you did meet in an abandoned house. <laughs> <laughs> but the um the whole the whole love story their their whole backstory and just famously the montage that will make anyone cry. Do you guys want to just touch on how amazing this montage is? Uh, (laughs) Clara, I've talked too much. I want. Oh no, no, you were, you were talking the program out. Um, I love the montage and I think it's really cool because it's going to appeal to anyone outside of the stereotypical like Pixar age frame of like that kid to like early adolescent age because like as an adult like you look at it and you're like I'm the adult version of that right now like this is so sentimental I love this whereas like with the kid it's really powerful because starting with Ellie and Carl as kids gives younger audiences someone to like identify with as like oh that's me on screen like I love doing fun things with my friends too Mm -hmm. and then you get the whole them growing up and falling in love and Mm -hmm. all of that and so it's really I really like it for that uh yeah (laughs) then we get into that which just (laughs) is just brutal honestly I don't know another word for it it's not like graphic or like disturbing or anything like that but it's definitely a very jarring moment I feel like it's one of the more um blatant expressions of like death in a Disney movie because like we get it death sprinkled into Disney and Pixar like a decent amount like it's there but it's not ever like so explicitly and realistically portrayed I don't think yeah and so that part of it is like <laughs> so memorable yeah um, that's, that's <laughs> a while because mm-hmm. it takes me back to like Bambi right but like at least more recent that's true Disney, that's true it's uh it's pretty rare. Yeah, Paige? Yeah. I just love how fearless Pixar can be with these things. Like, they can take mm-hmm. a really large mm-hmm. concept and um, kind of simplify it, make it, um, I guess, uh, what's the word? Like, attainable? Like, you can you yeah. can understand it. Digestible, um, maybe? Accessible. Yeah, digestible, definitely. Um, yeah, and it's crazy. I, I said this in the group chat. It's like everything just goes from zero to 100 with this movie <laughs> emotionally. <Yes. laughs> like, you're like, oh, like, oh, oh, the yay, dog is oh, barking. No, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I got the tears. Yeah, it's like I'm laughing at the bird one moment and then I'm crying at the kid the next. It's, mm-hmm. it's, oh, it's a lot. I think. The other thing that's interesting about the montage, and I feel weird saying this about uh, as big of a corporate entity as Disney, but it feels in a way almost like anti-capitalism. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Oh my God. Oh. It has big, it has big effects. It's very anti-capitalistic and it has mm-hmm. a very anti-capitalistic message, especially with that shot at the end of the, like the whole thing as he's walking downstairs as he's old, mm. when the whole thing is like the world has, it's hit the fan. It's all mm-hmm. hit the fan. Mm-hmm. it's 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 been terrible and uh it's, it's 
it has those anti-capitalistic uh, messages. And yeah. Built by someone who <laughs> thrives off of money. Woo! This is true. Yes, because yeah, and like it's funny because like we see that like uh, Disney announced. I think it was in December that they're doing like a whole Pixar show now around Up. And it's about yeah, Carl and Doug. It's called Doug. Yeah. I am going. Oh my gosh! I was really scared that when I I got a text message from my friends that sent it to me, um, and I was really scared that it was actually a whole new movie. It was an oh. up to. I was gonna scream. I was like, <laughs> they can never. They this is un. This is like you can't make a whole like um, Marvel franchise out of up. That's true. Oh, like yeah. Toy the Story Two. Yeah. <laughs> the optics in the universe? Oh my gosh. Going off the um how they're like kind of anti-capitalism. I like um mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting how they like make the the boss, the like construction manager boss, like faceless. Like a faceless? He's like no he's like distinguishable mm, features and then just the suit. <laughs> yeah, it's mm-hmm. like just a suit and and a oh. hard hat. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. If you on this uh, on the on the Blu-ray, there's a lot of uh, plus features, and that's you know added features, and uh, mm-hmm. that's one of the features where it talks all about mm-hmm. the the man being he just wanted it to be a suit and glasses and nothing else, like a, like a ghost. Wow. Um, oh, trying interesting. To, you know, portray like uh, I don't know. It's 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 very interesting. Yeah, well, it's also so interesting. Bizarre. It's also interesting because Charles Muntz is a somewhat sympathetic hero. I wouldn't call him, you know, mm. but by the end, you're kind of like, okay, he's trying to murder your heroes. So you don't really root for him. But like, I mean, at the beginning, mm. at least you're like, wow, this guy like had everything taken from him and he just wants to like achieve glory again. Like you understand where he's coming from. Yeah. But going off that, um, Fenton's is in Oakland. That's an actual ice cream store in Oakland and they serve giant scoops <gasps> of ice cream and you guys should all go there. Cause it's great. Oh my goodness. So then are we assuming. Oakland up confirmed. Does this this mean that they live in Oakland? I was thinking San Francisco. I, it does. It does seem like a Victorian, right? I guess they live in downtown. They live downtown. Oh my goodness. Wow. Running out the true places. And then, uh, Venezuela. So that means that Venezuela, that wouldn't be just 10,000 transfers. That would be 70 million transfers. That'd be oh, a goodness. lot. A lot of transfers. Oh, jeez. It's a lot yeah, of to bus get back home by bus. Oh, <laughs> there's a long distance line, but you know, we'll see. You, so, would think. you would think. There's a high demand for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you ever want to go down like a Wikipedia rabbit hole, there's a great rabbit hole on like, on like holdout properties. You know, like when mm. someone builds a development um, and there's like one guy that holds out and either they end up with a bag of money or there's just a mm-hmm. giant development that's like around this one property. Um, just yeah. just a couple days ago in San Francisco, actually, there was a uh, there was a there was a house that reminded people of up where they they took a yep. Victorian and they put it on wheels they actually moved it to a different location because they were building this big apartment complex and it was this like 100, 130 year old Victorian, like pre-earthquake house. Um, oh gosh, capitalism messages being reflected in real life. I know, look Pixar at that. does it again. <laughs> and this house in particular is based on one in Seattle. Oh, is it really? There's a, there, there's a little old lady who in 2008, I don't know what part of the city, but... Uh, Mm-hmm. There's a big parking garage all around her house. There was, um, oh. they built a house or a family built a house to look just like the up house in Utah. And I drove past it once oh, yeah. and, um, they went like shot by shot through the movie with an architect and they like, they like tried to, and then they like, they tried, you know, they never, I don't think they ever show the kitchen and they were talking about how they, um, they, uh, tried to like go off of what the rest of the house looked like to figure out what the kitchen mm-hmm. should look like. And so they really tried mm-hmm. to keep it just like the movie and they put balloons out or like, you know, a few balloons. <laughs> right. <at the> top <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty cute. Wow. That's so cool. Sounds cute. That's my future property. <laughs> <laughs> I support yeah. it. That'll be cool. I shall own that estate in a few years. <laughs> I only wrote down one note and I think that's just because like 
this movie feels super familiar, but yeah. something that I noticed on this rewatch that I, I like, I don't think I really ever thought about before is that it's really cool to see how much like respect Carl has for Ellie as like a person, um, which like is implied, obviously, like he's moving his whole entire house to South America for her. So like, obviously he loves her, but there's this really cool respect portion to it as well where like we have the scene where Russell's trying to convince Carl to let them keep Kevin and he like kind of like looks around and he looks up at the house and he starts talking to Ellie like Carl had been and he's like oh well Ellie says I can and like instead of Carl being like you can't hear her like what are you talking about he like respects this conversation as like an extension of Ellie and then like goes along with it like it's not like he's like you don't know Ellie. It's like Ellie really is like this separate entity than him. It's not, it is him like imagining her and like conversing with her now that she's passed. But like, it's more than that in that like other people can somehow interact with her. And I think that's really cool. And then the other instance where I saw it happening was when he finally sets the house down on the cliffs and we get the scene of him like kind of cleaning up a little bit. The very first thing he does is put her chair upright and like put it in spot. And I was just like, oh, he just... He just loves her. And I think that's so mm. cool. Like how it's a wholesome relationship. It's so wholesome. And it's it's conveyed like very bluntly, but also in these really cool subtle ways that I think really speak to how familiar like their relationship feels and that like it's just such a great embodiment of like what love looks like and that like it's these big gestures of like romance and like grandeur but it's also these little things where it's like oh, I'm just gonna put her chair back first because like I love her and like I'm gonna brush off her the dust off her picture and like mm-hmm. I think that's really cool to see it, it's really like a mature message of like mm-hmm. you know um yeah like you said kind of like the respect and also the like the like most sincere love they had for each other, you know, Carl has for Ellie, but also the idea of like, um, you know, it's okay to move on and like Mm -hmm. love other people too. Yeah. I feel like really a big topic and mature. And I'm, you know, it's, I'm surprised, you know, a film geared towards a younger audience can capture all of that. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, Yeah, I was, I was um, was watching this YouTube video a while back. I wish I could credit it, but, but I, I will, I will credit it if I can, if I can find it, but it was basically talking about how, um, how Pixar just sort of changed the general plot structure of animated movies. So so many of like the Disney Mm -hmm. cartoons are about, um, are about like evil person takes over and let's bring it back to the way it was like let's restore like you start out with like aladdin and and and, like the city's nice and like let's let's change it back to like the way it was but so many of pixar movies are about accepting and embracing change and sort of Mm. making a better life for yourself which is a very different message from like the princess aspect of like let's keep the power structure going. And so it's, 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 it's really cool the way, the way he's able to like shed his possessions and in that mo- moment, but still, but still really honor her legacy, especially by leaving the chairs upright the way they were and everything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's so much about like honoring, but deciding to move on and deciding to like move mm-hmm. on to live how like important parts of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he definitely, yeah he definitely needed her to let him do that. I felt like he was struggling with letting her go. And then when he mm-hmm. read her, her note in the adventures out there book, it was like, okay, she's, she's letting me do this. And then he kind of like, you know, packaged it up and then just moved on. Yeah. I mean, he used to think of like the house as like being Ellie and like mm-hmm. that was Ellie as her last, you know, that that was her her body was encapsulated in that house mm-hmm. that was their house and he had to you know preserve it but after he read the the note um what's the what does it say it says thank you for the great adventure now go have one of your own oh my goodness oh, oh it's so sad but he has like a whole change of heart where he realizes you know even though a property can mean a lot to you this is this is really just this is really just um you know a, a puzzle piece in our life, mm. and 
you know, it's it's just a it's just a house, and uh, oh my gosh, um, very well put. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. A puzzle yeah. piece. I love that. Yeah, and Clara brought up a good point too about um because we just did about time a while back about like about like how the places in our in our lives sort of recall these memories and you definitely see that like at, like like in like the montage after she dies where he's cleaning the window and he used to clean it with her on the mm-hmm. other side and it's sort of like the places that she left behind I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that mm-hmm. Clara yeah no absolutely I think I think this is another really great example of where like I've said like spaces like hold us in a way that like our memories might not be able to anymore and that like these places for the most part are staying where like everything else kind of fades away and like so we get it with the house in that like all these memories of Ellie are embedded in it and then we also get it in the ice cream shop for Russell where like he has this such memorable moment where he has this terrible relationship with his dad or it's implied it's not good like I think we can say it's not a good relationship, but he has these memories where they sit on the curb and they're just eating ice cream and counting cars. And I love how he said, oh, I'm going to butcher, butcher it, but I love how he says, like, I know it sounds boring, but like the boring things are what I remember the most. And so like, I think it all ties into that really well, where like, that is a spot that like holds so much love in it without like you having to do anything. It's just like you occupy, occupy that space with someone you love and you create a memory and then it's just there and it's mm-hmm. static and like it's immovable. And I think that's really, really impressive. Um, and it's cool to see it in an animated film. Cause like that is another like really big concept that we're getting from a movie for children <laughs> essentially. So it's like, it's really cool just how much like emotion is put into up as a whole. Like it's a very emotional movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I think what's interesting mm-hmm. is it's like so many so many of the filmmakers um, from these animated movies, like Andrew Stanton, this one's Pete Docter, um, Brad Bird, like so many of the filmmakers, like they were there as animators on Toys, to- Toy Story and have worked on so many projects since then. Mm-hmm. And so I think like, as they sort of grow older and they struggle with these more existential thoughts, I think, I, I think they've also gotten better at sort of expressing them in digestible ways. Like we were talking about, but like they've sort of matured as filmmakers. And like, I think, I think soul recently is like the most mature thing that they've done. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't, I don't think, I don't think soul would have been possible without inside out and Coco. I don't, I don't think inside out and Coco would have been possible without up, which wouldn't have been possible without like without Wally and finding Nemo, you know? Well, Mm. it's interesting that you say that because soul inside out up and monsters Inc are all directed by Pete doctor. So it's really cool seeing how he is building on these things. Cause I think Mm. monsters Inc is a great, like spot for it and that like we get like a pretty like fantasy based world mm-hmm. <laughs> and that like it's monsters and they're scaring children and da 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 and then it turns into this really emotional movie centered on this relationship between Boo and Sully and then that kind of compounds into up where like you're getting a lot more from it because it's two people who can actually communicate with each other and then mm-hmm. we go into inside out <laughs> which explores like in depth our emotions and then you go into soul which is the afterlife essentially i mean i guess yeah. that's the best way to put it mm, so that's i like that point a lot ethan i think it shows a lot in pete doctor's work and i think that's really exciting how like he keeps compounding on like one thing onto another yeah, yeah. definitely i also like going off that it's also like they're he's great at world building mm. like going, going straight into a movie and just accepting things that are happening um, like Monsters Inc. especially, you just start accepting things and, and it feels normal. And um, I remember this last rewatch was more recent and it was um, it like that was the part that like amazed me because as a kid, you just kind of, I don't know, like I just yeah. more. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to say briefly that I think sometimes we take Pixar for granted because obviously mm. like Toy Story is like the first is the first feature length CGI animated film, right? Yeah. But but I mean like it happens to be like one of the greatest animated stories ever told. Like it didn't have to be like this. Like 
Chicken Little is the first 3D film ever. It's not, <laughs> it's not really <laughs> not memorable. Like, you know, well, it's no. the first, like, it's the first digital 3D film, right? Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but wow. like, we, we, we take for granted the fact that like, like the first, C- the first like full CGI studio happens to be like one of the greatest like art projects of all time, essentially like art studio, which is just amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's impressive. Mm. I I have a question for you, Milo. I am really curious, like what you think about older Pixar, because like you grew up mm. on like the golden age of Pixar, I would argue in that, like you're getting up and mm-hmm. Ratatouille and like, just like where they really, really hit their stride. But then you have all this like foundation of these older Pixar movies. So like, what what do you think of those like coming from it from that perspective? Ah, oh, Pixar is the best. I <laughs> I love every single movie they've made, and I just even like with their like. Oh yes, yes, I saw it in theaters actually. Oh, okay. Even with movies, even with movies like The Good Dinosaur and Cars two and three, mm-hmm. where like I kind of despise both of them. <laughs> I still, I still have a connection to them. Like Cars Three, I remember. Uh, I was in, uh, I was in California for the for the week, and like all of all of my friends went there, and there was no one in the in in the like the um, the the seating area. No one went to Cars Three. In uh, we went in like an IMAX, and so oh, we just no. ran. Ar- we just ran around the theater the entire time, <laughs> and it was just such a great experience. Even though I hate the movie, and I wish it burned for a million years uh, but i i still okay. wow pixar is like i it's the best production company out of any production company in my opinion wow and i i love those early movies like just going back and seeing a uh, toy story i oh my gosh i have i have my fists are ready to punch anyone that says Toy Story is bad because it has worse animation than the <laughs> than the sequels. Mm-hmm. I adore Toy Story and Toy Story Two. Mm-hmm. Those two are some of my favorite movies. Toy Story Two was like it. It was. I feel. I think I watched that before I watched. Um, I, I I watched like all of Pixar's movies. That those were like my first movies. Fun. Yeah. And I think I watched that before I watched you know Up and uh, all of the future ones. Mm-hmm. And I I was just uh, stunned by it. So I I think that Pixar's early days, I call that the heyday of Pixar. Oh. But okay, I okay. will say, Up is it's unbeatable in my opinion because mm-hmm. I feel like it's there's such a I have such a personal connection to it as well as I think that Pete Doctor has a personal connection to the story because um because Ellie's character was named Ellie he always has a personal connection to every one of his stories mm-hmm. and Ellie's character was named Ellie after his daughter oh. his daughter you know encouraged him to make this movie and his daughter inspired the character Riley in Inside Out and so he wow. takes all these things yes and he, she voices young Ellie. Um, wow. And so he takes all these things from his personal life and puts them in his movies. And I feel like I have such a big connection with Russell because A, like my life is scarily similar to his life. I don't know. Interesting. Very scary. But that quote that, um, I know that sounds boring, but I think the boring things are what I remember the most. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel a lot. I feel like I feel like that's something that everyone can take out of that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have so many memories of just, I don't know, just w- running in my side yard at my old house and uh, watching Tony Hawk's Boom Boom Sabotage on a little <laughs> tiny DVD player in the car. And I don't know. I just have all those memories. And it, it gets it, I, it gets way scarier how much I'm connected to him. A, mm-hmm. not the best relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. And then my... And then my mom and dad divorced, and I feel like that's the part where, you know, Ellie, you know, basically dies to uh, to Carl. It's like a separation, mm-hmm. and um, and then, uh, but I, I don't know. It just, it's. I feel like I have that much. Uh, I have a pretty big connection to it, and uh, every time I, I I see Russell, I don't know. Oh man. Hi, my name I is can see that. I can see that being emotional. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's 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 parts of it that I I mean, I'd say I relate more to the old man whose name is Carl. 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 Okay. Carl. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> no, I'd, say, I'd say that I really relate to Carl. I, I think, I mean, I also think I'm, you know, I'm coming to a point in my life where I'm sort of, I'm, I'm more an adult than I am like the child that Russell is. Right. But mm. Carl still has this, has this childlike um, sort of creativity that he's like always trying to go back to. And I think that that's something that I relate to. Like I, I wouldn't, I'm probably not as curmudgeon as he is. Like I, I tend to, I tend to be a pretty bubbly person, but like, I, I, I would say that like, just also like knowing your significant other when you were so young, like mm -hmm. Paige reminds mm -hmm. me a lot of Ellie and like, it was so Aww. cool to like, that's really cute, you know, <laughs> see them playing together when they're younger and everything. Cause Paige and I used to play together. It's mm. too cute. It's too cute. It is very cute. Speaking, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of names of characters though, um, do you want to hear a fact that didn't so age, that didn't age so well about, Oh the no. Oh no! Yes, don't ruin! Don't ruin oh, this no. movie for me! Oh no! <laughs> ah. Kevin the bird is named after Kevin Spacey. Ooh. Ah! Don't even! You shouldn't have told that. To, no. You shouldn't have told me that. A couple other facts I wanted to get through. Um, okay. Nurse Nurse AJ is the first ever Pixar character with a mullet. I thought you'd enjoy that, Clara. I appreciate yeah. that as a mullet haver. I, as a mullet haver. <laughs> I love the representation. There you oh go. My goodness. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys. Okay. Um, based on the estimated square footage of the house, the estimated weight <gasps> of the house. No way. I know what you're gonna ask me. And I had, I did a whole entire science project on this. And I have, I have friends that went to my middle school that I'm now in now, who also did a science project on it. And it is technically impossible, but don't care. <laughs> so I forget the statistics. I, I forget the statistics, but. Should I, should I, should I ask um, Clara and Paige then, Milo, since you already know the yeah. answer? I okay. don't really know the answer because I kind of forget, but. Okay. Okay. How many, how many balloons do you think it would take to lift the up house? Oh, well, what type of helium is it? Because that was a big part of oh, there my and, gosh. The, and how it played into it. The purity of the helium. Yes, I, because I, the helium I can be very, right. very strong and pull something up really, or it can be like a normal, like fries, electronic store balloons. I, I don't know. Who goes to fries electronic store for balloons? <laughs> <laughs> you do apparently. I know. Wow, I um okay, I'm speaking well, to two scientists. Like maybe it's too heavy. I'm trying to think like what it could I'm just gonna throw out a number. As, as the liberal arts person here, I'm just gonna say three million. <laughs> That's a solid guess. That's a it's solid good. guess. It's good. It's good. Paige, what's your think? estimated I, guess? I want to think about how many pounds the house <laughs> Oh, it's, no. I'm just No, blind. but here's the situation. Here's the situation. It rips some of the stuff. Some of the stuff on the ground rips off. So that's going to be pounds, you know, the, elect, the whole electric, you yeah, know. Yeah, the, the force of system. ripping out all the pipes out of the ground. Like, uh, Yeah, so technically a lot of that weight is going off. Oh, man. I mean, how can you estimate this? About all that force. Um, I don't know. Let's go with, let's go with a hundred million. Ooh, hundred million. That balloons. maybe that I feel like I've really underestimated the power <laughs> of balloons. <laughs> the answer, according to IMDb <laughs> trivia, based on a balloon being able to lift 0.01 pounds. Okay. Is 12,600,000. Oh, <gasps> so I was close. Oh, wow. I'm changing my major to science. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a blanket science major. <laughs> how many, how, how, how many balloons estimated do you think were shown in the movie? I'm ooh, that's a tough one because I think whenever I look at it, I'm like, oh, that's gotta be like 400 balloons. I'm saying a thousand. I'm saying, I'm saying 3000. Oh, cause it's like, cause it's like when you have like a ton of like M&Ms and they're like, guess the M&Ms and everyone's mm -hmm. like, oh, that's only 50. And then you look at it and it's like 7,000. You're like, what is, what is happening? <laughs> how? how did all of that fit in there? That's like <laughs> how much rice is it? Oh, the rice one. That's even more difficult. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh man. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go okay. 5,000. Paige's going to go 5,000. Clara? I'm going to go obnoxiously high and say 
20,000. <laughs> exactly correct. There's there, there's an estimated 20,000 oh, balloons. Nice. Claire's on it. Oh my gosh. Right. The mullet's helped. The mullet. The mullet. Like, mullet power. It just lets my, it's yeah, my yeah, brain. You should totally just design balloon houses. The mullet like emits this science energy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. I'm in Blue the wrong there. field. <laughs> You you should go work for Boeing start, um, as a little engineer. I should. I oh might gosh. as well at this point. Should, and the only thing like on my Allison. resume will be this podcast. You should be like Allison <laughs> and be like the science in this in this movie is completely off. I mean <laughs> terrible science. Yeah, it's pretty oh, also oh, I love it. How long it would take him to blow up all those balloons. Like he'd be even just like no, I mean 20, okay, here's the situation. He's been he'd been blowing up those balloons for about 70 years. So my guess, my guess is he is like those people when you see like they're they're folding like their the pizza boxes like super oh, quickly. Mm-hmm. He's like that where he's like he just does it like he just does it like that. It's like yeah. it's going. Yeah. Oh my it's god! Natural for next him. level. They should just make a whole entire movie of just watching him do it, and it'll be called like it'll be like the Decalogue where it'll be like ten. <laughs> I would honestly, honestly probably watch it. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, like, this they, they made like a has beautiful cinematography. Mm-hmm. If you go on Disney, if if you go on if you go on Disney Plus, like they made um, a screensaver for like Dory, where like she comes in and like yeah. occasionally it's like the reef cam. They could totally just make yes. one of like <gasps> like the balloons, all just like blown up balloons. He's just like <gasps> blown up balloons. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it. I think that looks like a that looks like Kevin posts was... occasionally. Oh my <laughs> can I can I bring up a nitpick or will you hate me? Oh, um, bring up a nitpick and then I can hate you. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll decide after. I'll decide after what the nitpick. Is. <laughs> Carl's ch- Carl's changing athleticism is my nitpick. Uh, okay, so you first. It's his him. character arc. It's his character arc. You see this? It's his character arc, you know. He he no. I this is the this is the situation. Him and Russell have a huge character arc. Russell, he can't even get up that thing. That he can't even go. That's like he's not even possible. He slides down straight onto Carl's face. At the end, he goes up that like a marathon runner. He is going super fast. He just ran the Iron Man, and he's has like this connection to everyone he knows. He's doing this for everyone you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. same with carl carl has that connection to russell he is i mean like i mean i guess he's gonna eat a ton of ice cream when he gets to <laughs> and, and, and then regain uh all of his slow athleticism so then everyone's gonna be like oh same old carl but he could have run an iron man right there if, he, if russell was the prize i mean he wow. was trying to save him and he ruled this connection with kevin and uh doug Oh my goodness. It's, yeah. You can't even say that. That's, that's that is good. breaking the law. That is illegal. So basically your nitpick is wrong, Ethan. Basically Sorry. your nitpick is completely <laughs> wrong and your and your uh and your take is invalid. So <laughs> So Milo hates me now. My my point yeah. though is like at the beginning he can't get down the stairs. He has a chairlift because like he can't get down the stairs yet Because the- he's a grumpy old man. I mean <laughs> I saw him try. I think maybe it was like, true. He's yeah. like maybe he's just trying to submit himself into that old man. Maybe he's trying to submit himself into that old man. Yeah, know. he was also he's in a routine. Fast, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. yeah, like definitely that affects you. I think too. I think I agree with to, Milo. To, to quote <laughs> too. Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, oh, I love you, but you do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> 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 full circle here. We've come full circle. All around. I love you, Milo. And yeah. I think you know exactly wow. what you're talking about. Um, that was you. good. Thank you. That was great. Any any other wow. uh, oh I I have I have a I have a, a thing that I want to start doing in the podcast. It's called the Cool yes. Trick Award. This is named yes. after something that Paige tells me. Um Every 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 time someone does something cool in a movie, she'll look at me, go like, "Cool trick." I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." Like if someone just some does some crazy stuff, she's like, "Cool trick." So, cool trick award for this movie. I have I have um I have three that I've written down. But if you guys okay. it, and and we should come to a consensus on this. If if you guys have any others that you want to nominate, we can. The three that I've written okay. down for cool trick award are Kevin okay. playing with Russell, like just like 
tossing mm. him, catching him, tickling him, like going upside down. That's a party trick. That's a Kevin party playing trick. with Russell trick. is a really cool trick. Mm-hmm. Russell getting balloons and a leaf blower and blowing himself up to a blimp. That's, that's pretty cool. That's oh, really that is cool. a cool trick. Um, cool trick. And dogs flying airplanes. Those are my <laughs> those are my three cool trick awards. If you guys have, I mean, I was thinking about like, I was thinking about like, you know, Carl scaling a blimp and some of these things, but I was like, I don't know. Those those, those mm-hmm. three seem right. For Too me. easy. It's so simple. Any other, I, any other cool trick awards you want to nominate? Putting balloons. I have an idea because with your house, that's a oh, cool like trick. floating your house. Just the <laughs> yeah, floating your house. That in itself. Floating your house away with balloons. I will nominate. Or navigating okay. out of a cumulonimbus cloud. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty sick. Now that's does, a party trick right there. Wait, that's wait, wait. You have to do that. Oh, but he does use trick, GPS. So is okay. it really a trick if okay. he's using GPS? Mm. I would say no. That's I like saying, say, "Wow, you got an A on all your math <laughs> tests. Cool trick." Well, I use the calculator for every single math test. Exactly. There you go. I I do have a nomination. I would like to nominate the dogs putting cones of shame on themselves. That's a cool trick. That's pretty good. pretty. That's pretty pretty sad. It is really sad. Is that a party trick? I hate you. Put on this dog cone. Is it as impressive as dogs flying planes? Uh, what are what are we saying is the coolest <gasps> trick? See, I, I I want a coolest trick to come from the heroes and not the villains, but I have to say dogs flying airplanes is probably the dogs coolest. flying airplanes. I think I might have to agree. The dogs flying the airplanes part is about cool. That, the best part about that is that the squeaky toy is how they shoot the. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Genius. That's, that is the greatest invention of all time. I mean, yes. Throw away your lightning rods. <laughs> Jeez. How about oh, the dogs it. being able to talk with like fancy colors? That's a pretty cool that trick. Is that is also a cool trick. trick. That is a very cool thing. trick. And that it speaks in every single language, including uh howdy how how how. Southern. He gets southern. southern. <laughs> okay, so Paige is saying Ooh. I look honestly in the end, I think I think I'd be okay going with floating your house away with balloons as just like the coolest trick. Oh, that is pretty I'm cool. okay with that. I'm okay. Yeah. Especially yeah. since we know, thanks to Milo, that it's scientifically impossible. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he did uh, it yeah. anyway. Makes a little You know, if you can do anything if you yeah. put your mind to it, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to do things that are scientifically impossible. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Ooh, I had another question. Yes. There are a lot of really wonderful animal characters in this movie, but I want to know what everyone's favorite animal is in the movie. Oh my Milo's ready. Let's hear it. Delroy <laughs> Lindo, Lindo uh, mm-hmm. plays uh, Gamma. Yes. Elegance. Oh my <laughs> I mean, they say that to five bloods, he should win for the five bloods. No way. Oh. Not at all. He should win for up. They should come back. They should give him an honorary an honorary award for his voice acting and up. <laughs> Incredible. I mean, just Gamma absolutely is great. And he he's he's just a, he's just a funny goofy guy. I do just want to say that all the heroes in this movie are based on squares mm-hmm. and circles, and all the villains are based on oh. all the villain all the villains. Like faces. Oh my goodness! Okay, the faces, math, the faces, and science, the faces, mm. the bodies, and everything—they're all trying. They're they're based. They're based mm. generally on triangles. Mm. Interesting. Pete Doctor hates triangles. He Confirmed. Really hates them. He there hates you go. Triangles. Now that is the conspiracy theory for you. Here we go. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's see. What else? What else? Uh, uh, do we want to talk about like Christopher Plummer and his performance and everything? Like yeah. R.I.P. Christopher mm-hmm. Plummer passed away mm-hmm. like a week or two ago, but uh, like just yeah. a great performer and a really great, interesting Pixar villain. Like one of the yeah. more, one of the more interesting Pixar villains if you think about it. Right? It feels I mean, like it feels like this Pixar villain is very in depth, and I feel like mm-hmm. his performance. Uh, I was going to say a joke, but now I feel like that this is no time for jokes. His performance uh, brings. Uh, Oh, I have a bad joke. His performance brings layers to it, um, as Shrek says. Ah, um, there we go. And it's it's there we just, go. 
it's just an incredible thing. And I've, I feel like, uh, just I feel like I should just watch all of his movies from his resurgence now because mm. when, he was, when he came back to like the screen and he did Beginners and uh, mm-hmm, Up and mm-hmm. all and Knives Out and all that, yeah, I feel like he's I, I feel like that just only if he had that he would be called one of the greatest actors mm. of all time. But you know, just his early years too and his uh, work in theater and all that, it's just oh man. Yeah, um, talk about like a great ass. catalog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sound of music. Oh my gosh. Um I am. I am a big fan okay. actually. Continue. Yeah, don't worry. I actually like that one. <laughs> um I actually always forget at first that this is Christopher Plummer. Like he does a really good voice for this character where like it almost just doesn't sound like him to it me doesn't for some sound reason. Like him, no. Not at all. And it's it, it I think it honestly helps because it helps him like embody the character a lot. And something that I was wondering while we were watching was, you know, he has the scene where he kind of pieces together that Carl and Russell like know the bird and you get that like really dark moment where he's like oh like all these people come and they have great backstories and he's like describing all these people Got and her. like searching for herbs exactly oh, it's so good it's so intense but it got me thinking and i was a little bit like i wonder if those people were actually like a botanist and like actually like a researcher and he just like yeah. overthought it, it makes me think yeah. i feel were. like it's possible right it it's like it because he because mm-hmm. i feel like he's he's telling up he's telling he thinks that everything's a story because he's become like so secluded from the world. Mm. He feels like everyone is trying out is out to get him. Everyone is yeah. trying to attack him. And I I do think that because, you know, when uh it's it's just uh it it, it feels like he's just trying to he's overanalyzing things. He's become so mm. attached, mentally attached to this. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, and you I, know, I think that that's birth. what Carl needed mm-hmm. to see too, because it was mm. And he was so attached to this idea, and and Carl's so attached to Ellie. Oh, oh. parallels. Yeah, and so it's kind of like, oh my God, this is what I'm becoming. Maybe. Yeah, like what what happens when you? <laughs> wow. Don't, you know, yeah. That's a really good. Yeah, he, he. I feel like he has a change of mind right there, where he's mm-hmm. like, he tries to protect Kevin. He tries to do all these things because he doesn't want to become this, uh, this you know secluded person that's been mm-hmm. away from all you know life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, I like that parallel a lot, actually. That, oh my goodness. This, is, this is starting that. to look like Chunking Express a lot. Oh my <laughs> goodness. The narrative symmetry right here is just... <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean... Yeah, he's interesting. Definitely yeah. definitely falls into the never meet your heroes category of, yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Are we all turning into Charles Munces in quarantine? Is that what's happening? Oh, I don't want to hear that at the moment. <laughs> for the lost bird. I, I mean, I kind of feel like that because you're, you're searching for a lost society. Um, mm. I would say. I mean, I don't know. If, if, but I feel like quarantine is kind of like a, it's kind of like a a, a win loss situation where like mm. oh, I'm in this the terrible state and oh my goodness and I can't see my friends and the world is nosedive into an erupting volcano but i mean like i you know probably would not have met a lot of the friends that are like now my friends you mm-hmm. know if i just didn't do that i wouldn't even like films if covid didn't happen i wouldn't wow i wouldn't have bought the agnes varda box set if covid wasn't a thing which scares <laughs> me to think. i wouldn't even have known that agnes varda existed <gasps> ah, geez. um but I don't know. It just it, it it kind of like made me you know find things out about myself and mm. uh, yeah. It was it, it's yeah. a it's a new experience. So I don't think I or I think I don't think I'm turning into Charles Munch. Actually, no. I'm just lying to myself. I don't want to admit that I am turning into Charles Munch. Oh, no. But I I don't know. I feel like everyone is going through it in in some mm-hmm. way or another. Well, I, I can just say personally that I'm I'm so happy to have met you during quarantine. Yeah, you're you're yeah. such a you're such a joy to know, and uh, <laughs> I yeah I'm I'm it's been a it's been a it's been a bright part of my quarantine meeting the two of you. So I want to thank you for that. Ah, uh, <laughs> thanks. That's so sweet. I think 
for me in quarantine, I feel like I'm becoming more of an Ellie in that Mm. Carl and Ellie had a very specific dream for what they wanted their life to be. And then life kind of just happened and they adapted and they adjusted and they ended up having this beautiful full life. And I kind of view quarantine like that in that this is like our flat tire or our broken leg where we're having to kind of break the, the savings and kind of just like restart. Um, and that like I'm getting to do school finally and I get to do a podcast with my friends who I love and cherish and like all of that kind of stuff is really cool. So it's it's not the adventure I wanted to be having by any means, <laughs> but it's the adventure I'm getting to have it getting to have and I feel like Ellie and that like I'm finding ways to appreciate it for that and like that's really fun and really exciting so that's really boom cool. sentimental this is an emotional <laughs> cine- welcome back to the emotional cinefly podcast I'm making us all emo <laughs> where we talk about our feelings and they help us with our therapy boom. <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> our own therapist podcast it'll be called Tinefleck. And it's just therapy and you you just make sure they drink tons of vodka and then like subdue them and then you and then you like and then you like tell them your life is a lie. Oh my god. I don't know if that qualifies as therapy. (laughs) No, but you're gonna be a bad therapist. It's a typical Saturday night, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Tinefleck podcast, bad therapist uh, (laughs) pub. Bad therapist. That's funny. Paige, what were you gonna say about therapy? I was just gonna say like I love all of the like um I don't know the like uh like this movie's really great going from like little quirky moments where like Doug is doing something funny and then the Mm -hmm. you know interacting with Kevin and then and then you just move into something super deep and I'm like whoa Mm -hmm. I don't know I guess that goes back to the zero to 100 thing but um but I just I love that it can it can do both really well yeah absolutely I I was basically going to say semi the same thing in that, like, I think this is like, I, uh, I don't know how to word this properly. I think it's like the rare Pixar that like perfectly encapsulates everything it needs to say within the one movie where like toy stories have like expanded in a way that are really cool. And like the monsters Inc sequel was really cool. Like car sequels aren't great, but like it expands that world in a way that's really impressive in some ways. But up is like a great example of like embodying everything they wanted to say in a movie and just like leaving it at that and like you leave it feeling satisfied because you do get these really cute moments of like fun and balanced with the really serious heartfelt stuff so like it's just I I I definitely agree with Milo in that it's one of Pixar's most impressive in like what it's doing which is like really fun and I think that'll be my final thought (laughs) Milo, any 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 thoughts you get right now? Um, uh, oh, I'm gonna talk about the score because no one brought it up. Oh, we didn't. No one brought up the score. You I guys There you go. Guys, now I get to talk about it. Job. Which is really sad because it's like my favorite score of any movie of all time, um, and I'm convinced that I'm gonna play Married Life at both my wedding and my funeral. Um. But it's just such an incredible score. And I love it so much because it conveys emotions throughout the film Mm -hmm. with that one melody from Married Life. Mm -hmm. And it uses it in many different ways. When they're in the middle of that final action scene, it's like much more upbeat and fast, Mm -hmm. but it's it, it goes through so many different you know transitions in the song it goes from being this happy song and it's like goes off really you know very upbeat and happy melody and then Mm -hmm. it slows down and then it gets to its really happy point and then it slows down and it becomes this really sad and dreary and like melancholy and i find it so beautiful and they reuse it a lot of times and And they do a minor version in the chase sequence to make it really intense it really is like the perfect song or uh piece for this movie um i learned it on piano and it's definitely it's a it's kind of a simple melody with like some chords on the side and so it's i like Mm -hmm. that it's simple but it's so beautiful and it kind of embodies a lot of carl's life it's like oh it's a sim it's a simple life we didn't go on this big adventure but but it's also very beautiful and like the way that you play it kind of Mm -hmm. uh, gives it a different 
feeling. So like when it's, mm. yeah, you can play it happier, you can play it minor, you can play it. I don't know. It just, I feel like it really works and kind of, I feel yeah. like it does kind of like translate to, I don't know, the way you like view things and, and yeah, totally. Know, the way he was living life. Yeah, completely. Like, I feel like, I feel like, um, you know, it, it recall, it, it sort of, it, 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 it feels nostalgic and like, it feels nostalgic when he feels nostalgic, you know, like it's always about, it's always about like looking, looking back until eventually it's about sort of finding those feelings with a new person. Like he sort of mm. recontextualizes mm -hmm. the piece to be about sort of his relationship with Russell, but, but it's, it, it, it's a simple, it's a simple piece because he's sort of reflecting back on his childhood and his relationship with his wife. So mm -hmm. in that sense, in that sense, it, 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 it works to have a simple melody when it's so nostalgic, I suppose. Yeah, a simple melody to recall someone. That there you mm -hmm. go. That's a that's the new uh, Pichette Pong Where a Stackle movie. You know, I did like a melancholy. You did like a spring, winter, uh, spring, winter, uh, spring, fall, winter, and spring again or whatever. Yeah, yeah. he does an, uh, the the melody to recall a lost loved one. There you go. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like it. my favorite part of that. That could work. Um, I think he should, I, but my favorite part about that is that, you know, the way that it changes, because it always adds on a new instrument every time it's telling something. And mm -hmm. like my favorite part, my favorite variation of A Married Life is a variation called We're in a Club Now, which plays mm -hmm. when he gives him the, when she gives him the Ellie Bench and mm -hmm. it's like a first connection. And it's the same exact melody, but instead it has a saxophone to resemble this new love in his life. And it's very like, it's a very like quiet saxophone, but it's mm -hmm. like resembling this new love in his life. And like it, his life has stopped just, you know, being, you know, you know, worshiping this, this uh, Charles Muntz as his like favorite person and become like this relationship built off of this, you know, this person. So I, it also uh, displays that without Charles Muntz, his childhood hero, even if he tried to kill him, he still would never have met Ellie without Charles Muntz. Mm, mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. true. That's they very true. Never, the, he would have, yeah. it's the adventures out there. If he never heard mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. if he never heard, if he, or if he heard that and he, you know, didn't know about Charles Muntz and he didn't just, you know, watch the movie, the, at the, at the, the, the news at the cinema, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been like that. I, yeah. Dang. That, that 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 that's a really really good point, Milo. I yeah. I, I do have to say, and it, and it took a lot of maturity for Carl in that moment to realize when things were turning. Like that's one thing I noticed with him. It took a lot of maturity for him to go like, um, Russell, we need to get out of here. Like this this mm -hmm. is this is going weird because I feel like if you if you build a man up for for eighty years or whatever whatever, mm -hmm. it it would it would be easy to just go like okay, where is this going? But I trust him because I know he's this certain guy. And it took a lot of maturity for him to sort of mm. like call it when it was going bad, I thought. Uh, I think my I think my eyes have stopped working right now. They're just oh, numb. Oh, no. <laughs> We're like horrible uh, influences gosh. on you. I'm so sorry. No, do you are. see? Okay, look at this. I have the worst sleep schedule. My, <laughs> my I need to sleep. I fall asleep at like 10 and wake up at 6. I need more sleep. Oh, that's um, so early. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, and I feel like I was gonna, I, I started to change and do like a flip. You know how whenever there was like, oh, when you turn a teen, you just don't want to wake up. And I had <laughs> that situation oh, for no. a time. Okay, okay. In, in, in theory, I suspected this because I used to wake up every morning at 6 and uh -huh. go to bed at 12. This was an often thing, but my eyes would not get, it was like a normal sleep schedule for me. Huh. As I grew up, I started to go through this like little tiny month phase of like waking up at eight and being like, oh, this is the worst time ever. I have to get up. I have to make breakfast. I have to do these random things that I don't even have to do. Um, <laughs> and then I went to transition into a phase of like, oh, I can just let this happen. Mm. But now when I'm in school now, I feel like I have the duty to wake up constantly at six o'clock and do work but the situation is i when i whenever i wake up at six o'clock i just stare at my work and go and eh, i can do that during the middle of school so i so i've decided that 
but I keep this thought in my head. So now I always go to bed at like 10 or 11 and I wake up at six or five and I'm like, oh, time to have my morning coffee. <laughs> really excited for the day. I'll watch like, and I'll watch like a Celine Siyama movie in the morning and that's how my day goes. Oh. Um, that sounds like a vibe. All right, so Milo, you know the drill. Quote in character. Can it be from someone who is in the industry? A quote from someone who is in the industry, but not from oh. a movie. And he's in a movie of hers. Yes. Okay. Yes, because because um because uh because Sophie quoted the Oscars. You remember? No, that was me. Oh, you're that was you. I'm so sorry. I I broke the rule. How dare what did you? you say? What did you say? What did uh, you say? I for the Moonlight episode, I ended with them announcing at the Oscars, like Moonlight's one Best Picture. This isn't a this joke. This is not a joke. Oh. This is not a joke. So I've broken the. I broke the rule on my last appearance as a as a. Was that my? F- so no, now, now it's all gone. It's now it's all chaos. Now, yes. Now you can be. Now my you last guest quote, appearance ever. Now you can quote. Now you can just. Now you can quote. Can be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna do this really wrong, but uh, um, boom, boom, pow. Okay, I'm sorry. It was really <laughs> bad, but I just needed to get that out. Uh, my favorite movie of all time. Uh, I know. Uh, should I should I say something? Should I, should I say it? Yeah, go for it. Let's hear it. Right. Do it. Um. When we when you open a normal person, you'd find landscapes. When you open me, you'll find beaches. That is the quote from The Beaches of Agnes by Agnes Varda. Oh, yay! I like that one. I love oh. that. I love That's that. Good. That's good. Page- that was a good one. <laughs> I'm going to think. <laughs> I have to think. Can I do a quote because we forgot to mention it? Yeah. Even though I don't usually do this? I know, this is fun, this is rare, okay. I was hiding under your porch because I love you. <laughs> I love that one. Yes. That's really good. Yes. Thank you. I love that. that. You have a really good Doug voice. Thank you. That was cool. That's really good. That was convincing. You yeah. should like go on like a casting website and like try and get cast for Doug days. I might. As, I might. as, young, as young Doug. I love young it. Doug. Right, here we go. This might sound boring, but I think the boring stuff is the stuff I remember the most. And that's Russell. From- Yay. Aww. So many good quotes. So many good quotes. Uh, Welcome to do a quote. So good. Um, I'm try- I I will, I'm going to try and be the announcer guy from the very beginning, like the video for Charles Muntz. And I'm only going to do like three words, but I'm going to try and do that accent. The spirit of adventure. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, that was really good. Transatlantic. That was nice. I need to work on that. I want to like be able to do a transatlantic accent like properly because yeah. I love that. So. Totally. And boy, do the folks consider him the bee's knees. And how? <laughs> I was better. <laughs> so you guys want to hear my Cary Grant impression? I can do two words as, yes. as Cary yes. Grant. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. You ready? This is my newly discovered Cary. Cary Grant impression. Darling, okay. please. <laughs> yeah. That's all yes. I can say. Uh, what is that from? What is that from? I have no idea. I, I don't know if you actually said it. It just sounds like something. You just came up with it? Darling. Uh, I think he says it. Oh good. My that feels like something he'd say in um, Bring Up Baby. Bring up baby. Because, because he's, because obviously, uh, he, maybe he's talking to baby. And he doesn't know baby's name yet. There we and go. So this he, is what I mean says, when I say Milo's like my prodigy. Like no, literally, like this is literally like what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Fantastic. Okay, th- this was this <laughs> He's was the <laughs> This was so much fun. Thank you for coming on. That was very fun. Yes. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cineflag and I will see you next week.